We're in Matthew chapter 21 today. For those who are with us um, for the first time, welcome. And, um, and we've been going through Matthew the whole year. And Jason, when I was handing him the slides today, pointed out how we're getting near the end. Um, he said, what's going to happen when we finish Matthew? I said, the world's going to end. I mean, of course. Um, and there's enough going on right now that that's almost not a, not a good joke. Um, I wonder if we finish this, this line. Um, let's keep it, uh, I already took us deep, but let's, let's, let's try to go back up to a fun, a fun level. I've been thinking about this line. What, 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 you know, what are the things in life that you might find yourself saying, oh, I just couldn't live without... I mean, this is a confession of addiction, but my warm cup of coffee in the morning. Um, oh, it's so important. Um, um, a Dodger playoff run, right, <laughs> this year. Um, or maybe another way to put it, what if... What if what if we finish this line? Life would be so much better if we just didn't have to take the trash out once a week, right? Or um, to pull those weeds in, in, in the yard or... Nicole gave a, a great sermon last week, and I was so appreciative of it. Does any, this is a little risky, but does anything stick out from her sermon that um, you, any of you have been sitting with uh, this week to kind of remind us of where we, we all suffer? Yeah. Active presence of God. She said, you're going to either suffer or you're going to suffer with Jesus. And that's kind of what you get. Um, um, right after the, the portion of scripture that Nicole um, was in, Jesus sends his disciples out to get a donkey. And he get, they get this donkey, and they bring the donkey back, and Jesus jumps on its back and begins to ride this donkey into Jerusalem. You know the story? Um, and people gather, and they throw down their palm branches, and they wave them, and they sit on them, and they proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. Palm Sunday, right? We celebrate this each year. Um, and it is this move um, from Jesus' ministry kind of now directly into the heart of the gospel. Um, he begins his journey towards Jerusalem, and he does this on the humble back um, of a donkey. And the first thing that he does... Uh, when he gets to Jerusalem, is he goes to the temple. 
That's our passage for today in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus entered the temple and he pulled out his guitar and he began to strum it and no, he entered the temple, the temple courts, the temple mount, um, and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. I want us to read this with a bit of a sympathetic lens to start. Um, the, uh, the money changers are at the temple because people from all over the world came to the temple to worship. And so they were there so that they could take in the money, give them the right type of currency so that they could participate in worship. Um, you weren't allowed to have Roman currency in the temple because that would be a symbol of allegiance to a different god. So the money changers served a very important kind of hospitable role. Um, the selling of doves... I mean, you know the drill, right? You had to bring a pure sacrifice to offer, to worship to God. Can you imagine traveling from some far off land with some pure, like, sheep or goat? And you get, like, a mile out and it, like, cuts its foot on the walk. And all of a sudden it's not pure anymore. And so you couldn't offer it. That'd be kind of a bummer. Um... Can you imagine being poor and not having enough money or enough resources to even have a pure goat or a pure sheep, but yet you want to worship God? They sold doves for these reasons, so that people could come and could worship. Um, so to begin with, I've got a little bit of empathy. Um, the temple seems to be doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It seems to be doing exactly what is required of it. Um, and Jesus doesn't seem to care. Um, he comes in and he is upset. Um, and he quotes from Isaiah chapter 56 and he says, It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. The temple in these days were often banks. A den of robbers is not a place where you go to loot, right? It's a place where you bring your loot back and store it. Um, temples were banks. Um, they were banks because no one would steal from the temple. Um, they were a den. And so underneath these practices that, again, I think we can empathetically affirm, underneath there was things going on. Corruption. The state and religious leaders were kind of in cahoots. And Jesus is calling this out. 
um, in this act. Um, Isaiah 56 is such a great passage. And he, he quotes from it here, obviously, um, intentionally. Um, in Isaiah 56, it says, Thus says the Lord, maintain justice. Do what is right. For soon my salvation will come, my deliverance be revealed. Happy is the mortal who does this, the one who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. Um, it's pretty straightforward. I do what the temple is built to do. Maintain justice. Um, and in some ways, again, I can kind of see like, I think they're doing it, Jesus. Um, and yet in others, there seems to be this other stuff going on. The slide goes on. It says, Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. And the welcome of these, the foreigner, those outside the boundary of the nation, the eunuch, those outside the normal family and sexual boundaries of the time, um, they were to be left out along with children because they were to keep the temple holy. And Isaiah and his predecessor, if you will, Jesus, um, call this out um, in terms of our worship. In our, in, our, in our sacrifice. Um, and then Isaiah 56 goes on and, this is the, it, and ends by saying, Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I'll gather others to them besides those already gathered. All you wild animals, all you wild animals in the forest, come to devour. Israel's sentinels, those are leaders, are blind. They're all without knowledge. They're all silent dogs that cannot bark. Dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. Ari and I had a great day of rest yesterday, I must, I must admit. Um, I don't think that's what this is about, but it was nice. Um, the dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. The shepherds also have no understanding. They've all turned to their own way, to their own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let us get wine, let us fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow will be like today, great beyond measure. Jesus takes this passage from Isaiah, turns tables, upsets the money changers, and quotes to the Pharisees and the religious leaders that are around um, from this powerful passage from their texts. Um, 
When the chief priests heard this, they repented and said, Jesus, amen. No, they didn't, right? Um, when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. That makes me think, what? Kids are worshiping, and I guess they're worshiping Jesus, who they're not too excited about, but they're, they're upset. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Um, these leaders are protectors of the holiness of the temple. They're protectors of the way things are, the status quo. Jesus on his donkey with the wrong people praising him and the children singing has unleashed praise and prayer in this temple. Um, has unleashed a fervor um, and exaltation of God in Christ. Um, and these ones who are called to preserve holiness and the status quo, they're indignant. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. This is one of the only times in the Gospels where we hear of Jesus, kind of a visceral feeling. Um, anger and hunger. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that the fig tree is out of season, even. And Jesus would know that. Um, He's from there. And he's still angry. And he says, May you never bear fruit again. I have a friend who gets really angry when he gets hungry. And when we hang out, he'll say, uh, I'm on level five. We got to find some food here. I feel like Jesus is like level seven right here or something. Um, But it has more to do than hunger, right? Um, when the disciples saw this, did I read immediately the tree withered? Immediately the tree withered. Um, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly? They asked. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, Go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The fig tree 
like the temple, is doing what it's supposed to do. It's got leaves growing. The temple was doing what it's supposed to do. It's, it's allowing people to come and to worship. And Jesus was able to see through um, what was happening and called out that the temple and this tree that represents that temple um, is not bearing fruit. Um, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, You might have caught this. In Isaiah, the temple is referred to as the holy mountain. The temple is, even to this day, um, referred to as the temple mount. Um, Jesus has said this needs, must be a house of prayer and of praise. Um, where the outcasts of Israel are gathered and welcomed. And he says, if you have faith um, and do not doubt, it's an invitation to radical trust of God. Um, Not only can you do to this fig tree, to this symbol of of religiosity, You can take this mountain, this temple mount, and throw it into the sea. Not long, not much later, this happened. Rome came and annihilated the temple. Here's where I want us to get kind of practical. Um, For some, hearing this message, the fact that the temple system that would not let them in, would not let them participate in worship, would not allow for them to um, engage in the things of God. For some... That temple being thrown in away, um, thrown uh, into the sea, would be absolutely incredible news. Amen? I mean, this is jubilee. This is everything that the gospel had talked about. Um, that the walls of hostility would be broken down. That outcasts, foreigners, eunuchs, children, people outside of Israel be be welcomed in. This is like amazing news. Um, For others, and again, I want us to hear this empathetically, um, maybe even personally. This would be terrifying news. This is what... For, for these religious leaders, this is their way of life. I mean, these, this isn't a Disney movie where they're just like all bad and like all good, right? These are like human beings who think they're acting faithfully. Their whole way of being and understanding and identity is being called into question by Jesus. Um, 
This is terrible news. Um, imagine what they would feel. Um, and this is what I want us to ask for today. And I think this is what the gospel is getting at. What are, are those things in our life um, that we imagine to be like mountains? What are those things in our lives that we think are immovable? Those things that make us perhaps feel very vulnerable. Those things that if they were to be moved would strike us at our core and our identity. What are those things that, oh, if they could just be moved, the promise entailed in that, the joy, the praise is almost too much to bear. What are those things in our lives that come to mind? Because I don't think this is just about a temple in A.D. 70. I think this is about how the God made known in Jesus Christ works in life, in our life. And what does it mean to have faith? to open ourselves up to God uh, as we think about these things. The things that seem like mountains in our lives, too tall to climb, lingering, always there, the way things are, holding us back, The gospel says those will one day be thrown into the sea. Amen. Come on. All right. This is good stuff. Let's, where, do, where does this begin? The job that you can't stand. Or the unemployment that just won't go away. The gospel says those things, the need for those things, well, one day it's going to be thrown into the sea. Um, the childhood memory that you cannot seem to shake. The words of your parent that were spoken over and over and were less than helpful, let's say. Um, this idea of who you are that you carry with you and you can't seem to shake it. The gospel wants to say, one day, that is going to be thrown into the sea. Amen? Um, there's other things that some of us in this room would name as that which, oh, if that could be thrown into the sea. 
that would be such great promise. And those very things for others of us would bring us to points and places of vulnerability um, that we can't even imagine. Rob talked about kind of money a few weeks ago and how different dispositions lend themselves to different work. And because of every economy is a particular economy, it lends themselves to different levels of income and therefore comfort financially. Every way of doing money in the world someday is going to be thrown into the sea. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and some of us are like, whoo! And some of us are like, ooh, right? Um, Listen, Los Angeles was here a few weeks back on a Friday. Um, powerful night. Um, where we got to listen to... Um, brothers and sisters, African-American brothers and sisters, explain and tell stories and present art about their experience in our country. And we say and proclaim as the church that someday white privilege in our country is going to be thrown into the sea. Can I get an amen? And Oh, yeah. I'm really honest, I don't even know what that means. Um, um, I hope things are coming into your mind. What are the boundaries in your life and in the way the world works? Those things someday are going to be thrown into the sea. Those things we place our trust in be other than God, um, they're going to be thrown into the sea. Jesus does all this. And, and the whole message for the temple is, Hey, this is, this is going out. This way of doing things that some of, holds you back, some of you, and gives you great promise and meaning to others, it's all going away. But it's not going away into a vacuum. Um, this needs to become what, Jesus says, this temple. Come on. It's a house of prayer. The gospel unleashes praise and prayer um, uh, in the face of this new thing as a part, as, a, as, a, as what this new thing that God is doing is. Um, my prayer for our church um, is that God would unleash praise um, amongst us. That God would turn us, turn this place, um, turn is the wrong word, that God would propel us even more 
into praise and prayer together. Because we are, a, this room right now, it's not full, but it's, it's, it's all of us um, come with all different stories and contexts and experiences. And this news that these things that we hold dear are going into the sea at different points um, bring us great joy and at different points will challenge us um, and poke at our very um, well-intended identity. Um, I think sometimes we around here have these, I gotta be quick here, I don't wanna, we have these competing convictions in all of us that I think naming, no, this is gonna be a place and we are gonna be a people of praise and prayer will help us with. One conviction, social justice, right? We wanna hold that up, that we wanna be about social justice. We also have a strong commitment that you'll hear on our lips around here of self-care, right? We want to take care of ourselves. We want to be healthy. Amen. Can I get amen? All these deserve amens, all right? Um, we want to change the world, right? We want to do this and make sure we have self-care, right? We want our children to change the world and have really good self-esteems and a very kind of um, full and wonderful life, right? We want all of these things. Can we say some more? What are some more? What are like statements like, amen, we want to practice Sabbath, right? But we want to also be in fellowship with one another and in, have deep community. And we also want to love our neighbor, right? And we also have only 24 hours in a day, right? We have all of these competing values. And I want to say this. Aaron, and this is with all close. C.S. Lewis says, put first things first and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. All of those things that I just named are second things, according to the Gospel of Matthew. They're good things. Look at all these second things walking in the room right now. <laughs> We're all second things. Um, Jesus says, this temple, my people, are to be a house of praise and prayer to God. Um, and when we start there, we can start getting at these other important commitments that we want to be about. Even Jesus' commandment, right? What is the greatest commandment? Is to love God, right? And the second is like it. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. 